This podcast is brought to you by the Binge Watchers Mafia. You can listen to other podcasts like this one at our iTunes channel by searching for Binge Watchers Mafia. You can also subscribe to our blog by entering your email at the top right corner at bingewatchersmafia.blogspot.com and follow us on Twitter at BW Mafia. I talk to you, take my hand to the flame. I talk to you, I'm a slave to you. Get sucker for pain. I wanna chain you up, I wanna tie you down. I'm just a sucker for pain. I'm a sucker for pain. I got the squad tatted on me from my neck to my ankles. I'm pushing from the band, got a song of rebellion. Hello and welcome, listeners, to a special Binge Watchers Mafia podcast. We're talking about Mr. Robot ahead of the season two premiere next week. I'm here with Ankit Singh. I'm Frank Malfronte, your Game of Thrones crew, moving on to the second best show on television, and I will brook no argument. About what? that from you. Second best show on television. I know you you finally saw it, but I haven't actually asked you uh, what you think of this show because I love it. Yeah, this is I'm I was all in on this show last year. I was <laughs> running around screaming, telling people to watch this show. You were, and it is one of those shows that I feel like God made especially for you. This is this if Frank and God were to come to a consensus. And make a show, it would be Mr. Robot. Or it would be Game of Thrones, but then it would be Mr. Robot. Yeah, so maybe God loves me a little bit now. I don't yeah. know. He might have a thing for me. I stopped watching the show. Maybe I watched the first two episodes. I couldn't really get into it. I, I don't like Elliot, so I, who's the main character, obviously. And I just thought he was kind of a loser, right? And I, I didn't like his like his personality. I didn't like the fact that you know, he was so shy and like he was kind of crazy and all that shit. So I just stopped watching him because and the lighting was terrible. Don't even fucking get me started on the fucking <laughs> thing, right? Just awful lighting 24-7. Maybe it gets better season two. But I stuck around and watched it because you really liked it. And because, you know, I wanted to do like a podcast about like this kind of topic. Because a show like this, like the acting is whatever and like, you know, the writing's whatever. But it's more of a concept TV show, right, where they're going into concepts that are very popular and they're going into concepts that people like to talk about. And I like to be able to talk about what people like to talk about. So that's why I watched the show. And I I was pleasantly surprised by the time I ended it. I like the show. I don't think it's one of the best shows on TV. It's definitely a very good concept show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy I gave it a second shot. That's all I'll say. Yeah, people are going to have their own opinions. It is a show of the moment. There is a lot in this show that speaks to what's happening in the world nowadays, and I think season two will continue doing that. I think, like, this show and Silicon Valley are two shows that just, like, really draw a lot from modern America, like our problems. But one is more of a parody, and this is obviously not really a parody. Well, this Uh, is fear-mongering. This is the other extreme. Fear-mongering. Okay, yeah. What? Why do you think it's fear-mongering? Well, uh, so after I finished watching the series, right, what I like to do is I like to get just – I want to see how much the actors are like the characters that they're playing on TV. So like I watched uh, Remy Malik and uh, Christian Slater, right? Christian Slater I'm a big fan of. He was a big get. Yeah. He's a big star. Right. So I, I watched him at some like Comic-Con panels or like this nerd something panel. And I listened to him and I was like, wow, these are like two very, very down to earth dudes, right? Yeah. And they're talking about literally people should be changing your passwords monthly. That's what they were talking about. Like, oh, this stuff is really serious. Like you can be hacked at any point. I was like, no shit. If a hacker wants to get to you, he can get to you. And there is very little you can do about it as an individual. It's part of what makes the show work and be interesting is that the character of Elliot is a very skilled hacker to the yeah. point where I'm going to talk about later. I want to ask the question about whether Elliot has a superpower because of how good of a hacker he is. But hacking is also the sort of thing that 
creates a lot of paranoia and possibly that paranoia is justified, especially when you're talking about the kinds of things that Elliot is doing. And that plays into his character. Uh, but I believe that some of the things that they show on the show are possible. And definitely the idea of this is what hacker culture is like. I've done a lot of reading on this. And apparently people say that this is the closest it's ever gotten to what it's really like, quote unquote, to be a hacker. Okay. Uh, so way to check that, but I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah, you know, go on some fan websites and you could go on some hacker blogs and things like that and just read about it. But again, that's the general sense I get, but also it's a very low bar because every other show or movie that involves hacking has always just been like a computer screen with a bunch of numbers and the characters are just like doing exposition while the computer is doing things. Right. Uh, so the fact that the code that's on the screen is like real code that really does what the plot says that the code should be doing is a big step up just from that. So they wow. clearly have people. So, so like are, a computer scientist that could look, that would look at this is like, Oh shit, they're actually doing it. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's like, cool. Like the scene where Elliot goes to the server farm and he, uh, he keeps the server, uh, on the F society network so that right. they can do the hack later. The code that he's putting in is like actually doing that. Like that's what you would really do. So that's the kind of stuff that is obviously over our heads. There is a really cool feature on uh, USA.com where it's, uh, it's called Mr. Robot enhanced. And they, they kind of explain it's sort of like bonus features or like, there's no, there's no commentary from the director or the actors or anything. But there are little tidbits similar to what they used to do on Game of Thrones where they would show you little stuff and they would give you backstory. And this is more about like, well, this is real. This is actually what they would have done in this case. Uh, So let's just kind of make a summary of what is Mr. Robot. Uh, So I'll start. I'll just say that at the start of the show, Elliot Anderson, Alderson, who is the main character, lives in New York City in sort of a semi-alternate timeline. The big change from real the real world is that instead of there being a group of corporations that together, you know, in Elliot's mind, control the world and have so much power that there's no way to stop them, in right. Mr. Robot, all of those corporations are one giant conglomerate. That's called E-Corp. It controls 75% of all commercial credit and personal credit in the, in the country and probably in the world. They make, basically they make all the computers that Apple does. They do all the banking that all the banks in the United States do. And, you know, basically any other sort of technology sort of thing that you could think of, E-Corp does it. And in Elliot's mind, since he, has a lot of issues that we'll get into. He always calls it, and when he looks at the logo, instead of it being an E, he sees evil, because he's that's what he calls it, evil corp. Right. He is a uh, security engineer for a consulting firm that manages evil corps, computer security. They handle their servers and do stuff like that. So, And he gets approached by this secretive and mysterious guy whose name he never gets, but on his jacket, it says Mr. Robot. So he's called Mr. Robot. And Mr. Robot eventually gets him to join this hacker group called F-Society. And F-Society's stated goal is to erase all of the credit history and of all people on the uh, Evil Corp servers. So there would be no record of credit card loans, student loans, mortgages, and basically everyone would be debt-free in the country as a result of this. Uh, and that's their goal that they try to work throughout the season on. What am I missing, Ankit? Uh, that he's got borderline schizophrenia. Yep. Uh, that he, he's got a sister who's basically a part of this F-Society group. Yep. That his dad is Mr. Robot and 
can somehow do what it's like fight club right yes these so these are all things that come out later in the show so we're definitely going to put spoiler alert all over this but season two is about to start so i hope you've seen it it's a season two preview right this is not a primer for for mr robot this is a preview so we are assuming that if you're listening to this that you have seen this the show yeah we're just kind of catching you up on what you might have forgotten of what the show was about mm -hmm. it's been what 10 months since the last episode yeah so, I mean, it's just about to come out, and it started just around this time last summer. So, yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been a while. So Elliot has a variety of mental issues. He's he's probably on the Asperger spectrum. Yeah. Uh, possibly has schizophrenia, or it might just be the result of his addiction to painkillers. That's what I thought it was. Uh, yeah, he, he takes morphine um, regularly, and he also takes this other drug called Suboxone, which apparently handles his morphine withdrawal. Yeah. Um, but he later loses access to that as a result as a result of a lot of other things that go on in the show. It's a very complicated. It's you know, if I was trying to describe Game of Thrones, it would it take me just as long to do as it would take me to talk about uh, Mr. Robot. So I really want to focus more on themes, and then we'll kind of talk about characters and things as it as we develop. So let's start with since we were talking about. Uh, Mr. Robot and Elliot's issues. Let's talk about how similar this show is to Fight Club. Okay, can I just go on a quick side note? Yeah, sure. Ever since I watched House, anytime I see someone doing drugs on TV consistently, like a character, I start bringing in the schizophrenic and like, you know, all the reality altering thing. Okay. Because because that's what House taught me. It's like when you do a lot of drugs, especially psychedelics and stuff that fucks with your mind, you're going to get fucked as a, as a viewer because you can't believe everything you see anymore. Yeah, and the difference between House and Elliot Alderson is vast. Yeah, but they both have a drug addiction. Which they both probably- have a drug addiction, but in terms of their, their sentiment and their outlook, like House is a scientist and he's very uh, detective-oriented and he, uh, he's not prone to flights of fancy. No. And he's not very paranoid, and he also always seems to have a good grasp on the situation, even if he's hiding some problems in his personal life, this being House. Elliot is not like that at all. Uh, He's a loner like House. We could say that that's a similarity. But he is paranoid, and he is suffering from delusions and possibly, and definitely some memory losses of some type, some type, but it could possibly be a result of trauma. Um, but at the beginning of the show, he doesn't remember what his dad looks like because Mr. Robot is a hallucination of his father. And he doesn't remember that he has a sister at all. So when he meets her for the first time, he assumes that he's never met her before, but due to the result of just the way that the characters interact his sister doesn't realize that he's suffering from delusions at the time. But what's great about the show, now that we've all seen it, is that in the first couple episodes, you're starting to have doubts about whether Elliot is a reliable narrator, right? And you're starting to wonder, you're starting to look at every scene. And before the finale, people were saying that Mr. Robot might not be the only person who Elliot is hallucinating about. I, I thought about that on, like, episode eight when he finally revealed it. And I was like, no way. I was like, because when I saw Darlene and uh, his best friend who grew up with him, I forget, Portia? Angela, sorry, her name. Yeah, Angela. Her, her, the, the, the actress's name is Portia Doubleday. So Angela and Darlene had this scene at, like, the they were doing ballet or something. Right. And that's when it kind of clicked. They, they, those two can't be made up. Anymore. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I thought that Tyrell could have been made up, who yeah. was like a villain, quote unquote, in this whole story. I thought maybe he he was made up, but I, then I didn't I, I didn't really follow through with that because Tyrell had those scenes with his wife, and I was like, maybe can can uh, you know Elliot be a hacker and have a wife part time? Like my brain went through all these things and. I, I just realized it had to be just him and Mr. Robot. That's it. Yeah. But that's what I liked about the show, because you could go back, because I was watching all these shows online, uh, and kind of dissect every scene, you know? You'd look, go back and look at the scenes in the arcade, 
and you'd be like, okay, who's Elliot talking to right now? And who's Mr. Robot talking to? And who's Darlene talking to? And kind of try to get some clues about who's real and who is, who do we think is talking to this character, but actually because that character doesn't exist, they're talking to a different character. But the Fight Club stuff is a little overblown because you've seen Fight Club, right? Yeah. So... Not recently, so like if you're gonna quiz me on it, I, I I'm not. Probably... I'm not gonna quiz you on it. But Edward Norton's character in Fight Club is completely divorced from what Brad Pitt is doing. Right. Tyler Durden is doing all of the work, and Edward Norton is kind of along for the ride. And yeah. then the twist is that Edward Norton's, you know, that his split personality is doing all the work, but. Elliot sort of takes a role in F society and does display the leadership. Like we actually do see the scenes where because Mr. Robot and Elliot are in the same room, whereas Tyler Durden and uh, Edward Norton are not in the same room with people at the same time, anytime in the movie. Yeah. Which is different. It's a little bit different. So the way I would like to think about it, and I'm going to use like very, you know, popular stuff is like you have Fight Club and then you have A Beautiful Mind, right? Yeah, that's a good, well, another good idea. That, that's the way I like to think about it. So in A Beautiful Mind, it's pure schizophrenia where you have these illusions no one else does, and but you are still in control of your whole story, right? Your yes. actions are still your actions. You're seeing things, but you're still doing what you want to do. In Fight Club, it's like you're watching yourself do other stuff, but you don't know that it's not. You don't know that it's yourself. Right, because he doesn't have complete memory. Right, which so is I what it's called schizophrenia. I don't know what that disease is called. Um, multiple personality disorder is different than schizophrenia. Right. That, so Elliot is Elliot and Edward Norton are more in the multiple personality disorder than the schizophrenia. Right, but he does have visions. Like you saw it in the finale of his mom and his his younger self, right? Which obviously people around him can't see. Right. And I don't know if they can also control his body. So it's like I would say it's 70 percent Fight Club, 30 percent Beautiful Mind. That's a good way to put it, I think. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's a name for exactly what he has, but it's something along the line of split personality slash – little bit of schizophrenia. So now that we've kind of established that and we've we've talked about Mr. Robot, I want to talk about, because this is a season two primer, what the hell is going on with Tyrell Wellick? Yeah. And let's, so let's just, let's just catch everyone up or just say quickly that Tyrell Wellick was a, a ambitious uh, SVP, senior vice president of technology at E-Corp, who was trying to become the CTO and was involved in all of these kind of dirty dealings. Is he Swedish? I think Russian. Just say Russian. Not Russian. Well, what, what is? How do you know what that language is? I know it's not Russian. It's either Swedish, Norwegian. It's one of the the Nordic countries. Okay. And he's got this like sort of Cersei esque wife. Can we say? Yeah, I love his wife. I, I feel like she's she's badass. So she is. She's just willing to do whatever. She <laughs> has no scruples. No, she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And she's, like, pushing Tyrell all the time, like, you know, go further. And, yeah. you know, then when he finally, you know, has no more value to her, he's like, oh, yeah, now we're getting a divorce. She is fucked up. Here's my thing. And this made me think about it. And I was like, this is something I would probably, you know, refrain from saying maybe if I was, like, a bit shyer. But I'm going to say it, right? So if, I'm, if there is someone who is that crazy right if there's a man that's that crazy or a woman that's that crazy right yeah can you imagine just how crazy their spouse must be because they're unless they're unless their spouse is the sane one quote unquote no no i'm saying like you're just think about it your spouse knows nobody probably knows you better than your spouse right at that point in your life because you live you spend the most amount of time probably with them if they know you're that crazy and they're willing to just tolerate you and they're willing to be around you they're willing to spend 50 to 60 percent of their lives with you just think about how crazy they must be yeah like usually you people like that aren't with spouses so when they are you know that they're, they're both nuts 
And Tyrell is clearly nuts. I mean, that scene when he beats up that homeless guy is just, was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's I, putting on gloves. What What is that glove going to do? What, I don't, what are they doing? And then he just starts wailing on him. It's, it's, it's not about... I guess it's just about prints. It's not about pain. Oh, no, yeah. It's not at all about pain. Those are just like plastic gloves that you would wear like a doctor would wear or like a food person would wear. So Tyrell was trying to be the CTO of Evil Corp. But what is his relation to Elliot? I don't understand because in the very first scene, it seems like Tyrell has met Elliot before, in my opinion. And because he, he picks him out over all the other people in this office. And I don't know, I'm, this is the show where I can read into every facial expression, but it seems like Tyrell just kind of has a knowing look in his eye. And I think he knows that Elliot has delusions and memory loss and has yeah. met him before and knows that Elliot is not in his complete memory state. I don't think you have to think that. I think that's a fact. You believe that, that you're on, you're on board with this theory. Yeah, because Tyrell somewhere, I think in episode seven or eight says, you're forgetting I know your secret. And, okay, yeah, that's true. And, and uh, Elliot doesn't know which secret he's talking about. True. Right? Because I think Elliot at the time thinks it's like the F Society stuff, right? Like that he's behind the hacks and right. all that stuff. But I think it's because when Elliot is like sleeping or whatever, not in control of his body, Mr. Robot goes out and has dealings with Tyrell. That's what everyone thinks. Now, what do you think then about the scene when they're at Steel Mountain, when Tyrell is the reason that Elliot is able to install the uh, the Raspberry Pi? Is Tyrell involved in the plot somehow? He, I think he is. You think he is? Yeah. Because that scene did not seem like a scene where he was helping Elliot, like knowingly and like leading him along. It seemed like he was trying to show off for Elliot because Elliot had socially engineered him into getting him to take him to the, the special dining room. Yeah. So that scene made me think like Elliot had fooled Tyrell because Tyrell was not really in his 100% best state of mind at the time. You're totally on board that Tyrell is a part of F Society. I, I think that's the only thing that kind of makes sense. I think other things do make sense, but I think people are assuming that definitely by the end of the show that Tyrell is the guy in the mask, right? Yeah. We all yeah. agree with that, right? Yeah. I think everybody in the world is on board that by the end of the show. But so then when does Tyrell get recruited by Mr. Robot? Because it's clearly not by Elliot. And that's what I'm not clear on. Because for him to eventually be the guy in the mask, you know, he could have been recruited at any point. But to say that he's been involved the whole time, it makes me wonder why he's trying to climb the ladder at Evil Corp, because that whole storyline doesn't make a lot of sense if Evil Corp is going to shut down and just become completely incapable of functioning anymore. He's yeah. trying to climb the ladder at the largest corporation in the world. If that corporation is is the new Enron in that version of the E Corp, uh why would he want to climb the ladder? Uh, maybe it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword kind of thing where it's like if he because he didn't know he was going to be promoted, right? So if he if he does get to be CTO, then he can stop it because he knows what's going to happen. Stop the hack, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So and if he doesn't, then he could just go along with the hat and let the company burn. Hmm. But I, I I think I'm wrong here. I, I think you've convinced me that I'm wrong that he wasn't on board before and he is now. I, I'm not clear. I'm not like willing to stake any sort of claim on these theories. V very much unlike Game of Thrones, Mr. Robot could do anything, and not only would it not surprise me, but I'm never going to make any predictions yeah, about Mr. Robot. That, that takes the fun out of it, right? It's just a different kind of fun. You know yeah. what I mean? You're just along for the ride. And it's funny because the show's think is like, uh, what is it? Control is what? Is an illusion. Control is an illusion. Which is funny because they have all the control over us. Right. So. And me thinking I know anything about the show, yeah, is clearly just a laughing matter. So, but, like, I, I think the the plot as it relates to characters is whatever. Like, whatever's going to happen with them individually, that's cool. I'm along for the ride. I'll watch it. I'll, I'll probably watch this series till the end. I don't see it getting really bad anytime soon. But what I will say, 
I think this opens the door to bigger topics that we can talk about. Yeah. And that that's the more fun about watching this show. And the first question I want to ask you is how afraid are you of this kind of hack ever happening? I think that there are parts of the show that are realistic and parts of the show that are not realistic. And I think it makes sense that you could do this that that the data that is the record of all of our credit card and loans, et cetera, that does exist in physical form. But the idea that that somebody could actually pull off this hack in real life, to me, is far fetched. Then the other thing you always say to yourself is that the really crazy events that people call black swans now is the kind of stuff that nobody's prepared for. Yeah. Like this, this, this hack that goes off at the end of season one is the definition of a black it's swan. It's a black swan, right. It's a black swan. Yeah. And, but it's, it's almost so crazy that I, I don't even, that's why I'm so excited for season two, because I have literally no idea how this society can go on. Like the idea that all debt has been erased in the, in the entire world, it's like too, it's too big of a, of an event to wrap my head around, how do we go back to a, a, a only cash society and a non-globally linked society? It, it's, it just defies logic. So I can't even think about whether this is possible because it's too crazy to think about. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the part where it's, it becomes non-realistic, right? The thing about uh, black swans is that they're a shock to the system, right? Yeah. They inherently changed the playing field, much much in the way of like in 1929, and most recently September, uh, September 11th, right? Sure, sure. You just couldn't see them coming, and it was the fact you it was just it's something your brain couldn't even attribute any amount of percentage to to the fact of it actually happening. So it changes the playing field. And the only thing I like to think about when it comes to Black Swan is how long it'll take for things to come back into their default state. And for 9-11, I think we're still getting back to pre-9-11 days, right? We're still not there yet. Maybe we'll be there in 25 years or whatever, where people – there's a more trusting, less terrorism, whatever-centric uh, world. Hmm. So for this, I think it could be like a 50-year period. This affects – something like that would affect the world for about 50 to 100 years, which when looking – historically speaking, isn't that long of a time. But when you're living it, it affects an entire generation. Yeah. This is not something like – it's like earth-shattering. It, it doesn't change anything super, super long-term. It changes maybe for the next 50 to 100 years, maybe 50 but right. that's that's the def 50 to 100 years is a humongous amount of time. Anything that's going to change the world for 100 years. Yeah, for an individual. It's a huge event. But for the for the, you know, like the bubonic plague was a big deal, right? Sure, how yeah. We, how much do we think about the plague right now? Yeah, because it's been 600 years. But the black right. the the black death had huge consequences for yeah, like 100 years. Right, but the, in 600 years from now, no one's going to be thinking about 9/11. But we'll still be we'll be thinking about it as an incredibly important historical event. But the idea, Anka, do you do you get that like 600 years is an absurdly long amount of time? For not instance? not when you're thinking about the history of the world and like really really long times like that. No, it's I, not. But but what's happened in the last 600 years, Anka? A lot. Yeah, a lot. And a lot will happen in the next 600 years. When a lot does not cover the the amount of things that have happened in the last 600 years. Well, what do you want to say? I mean, uh, you know, more than a lot, a lot, a lot. We didn't have cars. We didn't yeah. have America 600 years ago. Like right. we we the, the the world is is almost unrecognized. I'd say basically unrecognized. The only thing that's the same is that there's still people. Yeah. And trees and like, but everything else is different in the way that humans live so in 600 years. So anything, I, I just think that anything that affects the world for 100 years, like I think 9-11 will, but we haven't even gotten to 50 years. So, no, no. The, so what, the reason I say that is like none of it. So hu there's something called like human nature, right? Sure. We, we call it human nature. And it's like it's the cyclical thing of how people treat each other, right? 
-hmm. And I don't think that ever changes. I don't think, I think it was the same 600 years ago as it was 2000 years ago, right? Human nature, that's what I believe. You don't have to believe that. That's that's an interesting theory. Yeah, I I can't really, there's there's no way to like argue against it or for it really. So the way you measure black swans and how big they are relative to, uh, you can only really compare them to other black swans. Right. So, and the way you measure them is how, in my mind, is how long does it take you to get back to your default state, which is whatever you think base human nature is. Or just like, I would just call it, think about the, the world as like a organism. It's like, you had it, when do you get back to homeostasis, right? Uh-huh. Just That's like a, a, a normal, just normalcy. Right. To the where people aren't, don't have this big overhead of whatever just happened on their mind. And it's, it's hard to say because if you want to say that, if you want to take 9-11 as an example, we're still dealing with the ramifications of it now. Like if you can, if you look at it, ISIS is a direct result of 9-11. I think ISIS is a direct result of 9-11. I think the fact that, you know, we we went after, you know, the media and like this terrorism or whatever movement, I think it plays into the Black Lives Matter movement. I think these are all ripple effects of 9-11, right? Because once you start talking about one race, you kind of open the Pandora's box to talking about all races and all inequality and all that. Right. So I, I think that, that, that 9-11 was a big trigger mark for that. So a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated by a teenage Serbian nationalist, and yeah. it started World War One, which is like a classic black swan. Yeah. Have we recovered from that? Yes. Yes. Yes, we have. I think things are radically different than they might have been if World War One had never happened. If you could say that there would never have been World War One, but it's kind of like one of those things that you could never say. Yeah. But the reason we have the European Union is because of that event. Yes. Like, I think it's a pretty clear line that after the the first world war caused the second world war. And after both world wars, we got NATO, we got the Soviet Union, and then eventually we got the European Union. So things are changed. But, you know, now that maybe the EU will break up, that's a whole different story. So I thought that – so let's say World War One and Two are one black swan, right? I think we recovered from that as a society completely in 1991. When I think that's when the Berlin Wall fell. It might have been 89. So that's a recovery you're saying? Like when- no, I'm saying after that is when we were like, okay. Like – after the Cold War, it was like, okay, it's kind of behind us. Yeah, 1996, we were recovered from, you know, yeah. for like five years. Yeah. Dude, Japan, I don't know, Japan's recovered, right? They got bombed twice. So, like, it's a long time. I get it. I, I get it. It's a long time. But if you're, comp- but let's not get into the, oh, it's such a long time. Like, let's not, let's not go there. Let's just compare it for, from one to the other. Right. So if two world wars took us 50 years. okay, if you're going from the initial black swan event, which was in 19 or whatever, 1914, 1914, then it was about uh, 80 years. It was about 80 years. Right. 9-11, I would say, would, would be less than 80 years. I think it'll be by 2040, all this will be behind us. So now let's imagine a world where none of us had debt anymore. Right. How long does it take the global economy to rebuild itself? To rebuild itself. And if we're saying 80 years is the benchmark, it's, it's like the extreme. And 25 to 50 years is the average. Now, now you have some sort of framework to say, okay, how long it'll take. And I think it'll be less than 80 years. Okay. I, I have no idea, but yeah, I would probably say less than 80 years as a gut reaction, does, does it rebuild itself in the same way? No, like does you, everything I mean, go, do we just, do we have giant banks again? Do we have 30 year mortgages? Do we have stock trading? Like, does everything happen the same way again? Obviously not the same way that EU was created, right? The EU was created. The NATO was created. Mm-hmm. 
you know, these things were created as a result of black swans. And so things will be different. But like, you know, the human condition doesn't change. Yeah, it's it's I have no idea how else you can run the world other than capitalism and the global banking system. I mean, monarchies for like 25 well, years. Well, like economically. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless because I don't think that this this hack is going to lead to like a global super government with a single currency and like we're not we're not star trek yet we're not like the earth star trek government where everything's great and like technocracy runs the world um so i don't think we're going that in that direction one thing i am worried about mr robot is that they're going to kind of write it off because it seems like it's almost too big like that's what was so shocking that the that the hack happened at the end of the season because where do you go from there They've literally written a check that they don't know how to cash. I think it's too big to do, and there's going to be some, like, line of dialogue about how there were, you know, or, like, there'll be a montage about, like, six months or a year Uh. about how, like, whatever, something, something. I can't even think of what what would happen. But there'll be some kind of plausible montage that the world is semi-put back together. I think yeah. there will be credit cards in season two and ATMs. You know what I'm saying? Which wouldn't happen. That's not real to me. Not in a year. I, I don't even think in the next three, four years. I think it takes a – because think about it. You know, th- this is not billions of dollars. This is trillions of dollars. Because it, it, what's happening like, in the season, I know very little about it. But I know that in the first episode, they're going to introduce an FBI agent. She's like a field agent, and she's in charge of investigating the hack. Is she hot? Uh, she's pretty hot. That's good. She was. Um, did you see the newsroom? No. Okay. Well, she played Haley Shea in the newsroom and a couple other things. Uh, she's Meryl Streep's daughter. Oh. Her name is Grace Gummer. I'm looking her up as we speak. Yeah, and can- uh, so she's an FBI agent. And the idea that there would even, like, be an FBI, like, I would wonder if there would even be an American government after an event like that. Yeah. So the fact that there's an FBI field agent, field agent, which is literally all I know is that one sentence, is that there's an FBI field agent, it seems like the world is okay. Yeah. But it's a crazy idea to think about. I think it would be super cool if it happened because I'm just – I just love post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, me too. And I kind I, of kind of wish I lived in the zombie apocalypse. Well, yeah, because it bails you out for all your shitty life. Oh, decisions. yeah, totally. It's, it's a complete bailout for all. And it all just makes people. life more interesting, honestly. Yeah, but like like you can just laugh at people who worked hard their whole lives because it's all fucked anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good way to look. I mean, I mean that, the idea that either of us would survive the zombie apocalypse is farcical. Like, yeah. I would be dead very quickly. I would be dead day one. I might be like patient two. There is literally no food in my house, Aiket. None. <laughs> there used to be a lot, but now I work at the bar and they feed me every day when I go in there. There's the pe- no food here. The people that are going to survive are like living in ranches in like Oklahoma, dude. Oklahoma City will survive. Fuck. That. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, like the opposite of a doomsday prepper right now. <laughs> There's, you can't get farther from doomsday prepping than me. I don't no, even think I have clean underwear right now. No Jesus. one from a major metropolitan area is going to survive, right? Yeah. Except for Will Smith. Yeah, he but somehow he figured it out. But there, there, there was one thing I wanted to talk about, Mr. Robot, which is kind of eluding me right now. But, like, is he – is the show going to – like, just talk about the romantic stuff a little bit. Is he going to get with uh, his best friend from childhood? Is that what the show is going to try to do? I don't know. But Portia Doubleday's character, Angela, doesn't I, – I know nothing about her from, like, a sexual standpoint. Well, she, she had that – was cool. dating this that, – that dweeb Ollie. Yeah. Like, who was just the classic, just annoying bro character. But it was really, really funny. Uh, definitely the comic relief of the show. But she's hot. Angela is very hot. Very hot. But you never see her, like – there's no, like, sex scene with her or, like, anything. I know nothing about her sexually. So her and Elliot getting together, I guess, they, they're very different. Like, 
But Angela is more like Tyrell than like Elliot. Which is weird. She had a very weird character arc in the first season. Because I thought she was more like Elliot, and then she changed. Just cold and unfeeling. Right. She's you, know what I, you know what I think is really going to happen? Him and uh, the CEO of Evil Corp. I mean, her and the CEO of Evil Corp. Philip Price is his name. That dude is a baller. Oh my, I love that guy. I have never been more on a bad guy's side than that guy. He's Tyron Lannister. He's the kind of leader you can get behind no matter what the mission is. Oh my God. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, man, you got the ball. Take us to the promised land. That's it. Like, you got it. Because, like, did you see how calm he was in the 10th episode when he was going? He was, like, smiling and he was, like, his stock is crashing. He had the greatest, one of the greatest lines. The people one? No, about the weight of the corporation and how it most problems just seem to crack under the weight of that. Yeah. That he runs the greatest, the largest corporation in the history of the world. Quote goes along the lines of this. No matter who, like what happened, we know that it was done by people, right? People, mm. like you and me. The only difference is I'm the person who's got the greatest conglomerate ever assembled behind him. Well, basically, he's just saying, I got this. Yeah, he's like, I got this, all right? We've been here before. We'll be here again. Don't you worry. Everyone's running around going crazy. One of his employees shoots himself on TV. Who? Yeah, I agree with exactly what he said about that dude. He was like, if you shot yourself over something like this, like you're, you're, you're pretty weak. You're, you're weak sauce. Yeah, and that – Philip Price is not weak sauce. This guy was complaining about like his – 401k being gone and this and that and he just takes out his cash and puts like $700 down for her to go buy new shoes right and I was just like oh my god this guy's such a fucking boss (laughs) he's scary man like he is now season one didn't have a villain yeah we have a villain now I thought it was Tyrell Tyrell was a villain well he he was for a long time it seemed like he was the one trying to stop the hack right he was the one like, there's F Society and then there's E Corp, and E Corp has a face. His name is Tyrell. I was uh, more concerned that Tyrell was going to find out about the hack and then stop it. Elliot has to be versus somebody. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, who was Elliot versus? It was Evil Corp, but Evil Corp was just more of an idea yeah. than anything. But now we have a guy, and his name is Philip Price. And he, while after a guy gets shot, on national TV, yeah, he tells his employee that those shoes won't do anymore, and he needs to. She needs to go get some more. He's a bad man. Like all, bad. all of the all of the things that Occupy Wall Street was trying to stop, Philip Price is the definition of those things. The embodiment of all those things, right? Yeah. Another thing I I wanted to say, like no company like this. Just so for you know our listeners out there, I think GE is probably the biggest conglomerate I can think of. And even them, like, if GE didn't exist tomorrow, how much would we care? No, yeah, there's nothing like, like, there are a lot of really large and influential companies. To me, the closest uh, analog is Amazon. Maybe, yeah. Um, but Amazon, like, doesn't have the banking and the manufacturing. So really, it's like a combination of Apple, Amazon, and every bank in the country, and Google. <laughs> So let's say you put together like J.P. Morgan, right, which is probably the largest bank. Yeah. In so in terms of like regular people, the bank that regular people use. Uh, so J.P. You mix together J.P. Morgan, Amazon, and Apple. Yeah, I think you need Google too. <laughs> and, and Google. And Google. That's what E Corp is. And then you, t- those companies just don't exist tomorrow. Yeah, they're all the same company. God, that world would suck. It would just – it would do exactly what Evil Corp's done. It would just be like a com- incredibly corrosive force. Like there would just be too much power. But we wouldn't have student loans though. Hey, I would be okay because, yeah, everybody's <laughs> net worth would go to zero, <laughs> which would be awesome for me. Yeah, it's only 75%. So like there's still 25% of the people running out there. But I think the idea is that if you destroy 75% of things, then like the other 25 kind of fall apart. Or do they rise to the top? Yeah. I don't know. Like can you 
you know, you're going to go out and collect. Like, dude, you're really going to try to collect my outstanding credit card debt? when no, like- you don't even have to try to collect, right? So, like, everyone is basically kind of worth what they have in their pocket right now, except for these 25% who have access to their bank account. I think the idea of the show is that that's that nobody has access. Okay. That there's not like 25% of people that are that are okay. Yeah. Like none of the ATMs are working. The stock market is closed. Just basically the financial system has completely collapsed. I don't think there's anybody that's not affected. Okay. That's well, the idea. They, they didn't make it very clear. They didn't. Yeah. So that's what we're going to have to find out in season 2 like what are the actual rules of this new world? Yeah. They're going to have to write that out for us and say, like, actually what happened as a result. And all we know is that there's an FBI agent. Everything else is the same. Yeah. As far as, who's as, far beh- as we Who's know. behind the door? God, I don't know. It's got to be Tyrell. I think it's Tyrell. I think it's Tyrell. I think that's, like, the obvious answer. Unless it's a completely new character, I don't think it could be anybody else. Here's my question. When Elliot's in the room and he hears a knock on the door... Is he the one knocking on his own door? <sighs> There's just so much crap like that that we just – we could podcast for like 10 hours about this. And I want to talk about White Rose. No, dude. I do want to talk about White Rose. And I was like – but I don't think we'll ever see him again. But that was just like the best thing I've ever seen. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. I, how, the, I, I thought the same thing. Like he said that we would never see him again. Yeah. And that would be very sad. I mean, that dude was so badass. I was like, I've never seen someone. It's almost at like a Tyrion Lannister level where he just takes over a scene. And he took over. I thought like you, you, you watch an entire season of the show. That scene sticks out in your mind like no other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a very, very well done scene. And he really you know, took over that time period. Do you think that there are hackers who are that influential? Do you think that something like the Dark Army exists? Okay, can you explain to me, like, what this anonymous movement is? Aren't they hackers? Yes. So there is something similar to the Dark Army, but it seems like anonymous is a brand that encompasses a group. Like, it's, it's they're all, they're hackers, right? But it's not clear how many there are and who they are, where they are. It's just, it's, it's like this, it's the closest thing there is to just like a amorphous non-identity, you know, I don't, I don't even know. The word I was thinking was Hydra. It's just yeah. like they go out and they do some stuff. They, you know, they bring down a website. They, they don't do things the way that it seems like the dark army does things. They kind of yeah. have a, like a liberal progressive slant anonymous does. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple Twitter accounts that all claim to be anonymous. But one thing that you absolutely have to do if you're a hacker is not like, is keep things decentralized. Kind of like if you had a terrorist cell that's like operating independently of the main terrorist network, because, you know, you don't want the FBI to like, turn one of the guys in anonymous and then you know now he has access to everybody and because he just you know gives away all the information by giving up his computer etc etc so i think they're a brand but their organization is incredibly loose and i don't think like any of them know who the other ones are so i'm not really sure what they're doing so but this would be like a super anonymous and they would be chinese they're like all chinese but uh, they have like agents in america i think something like the dark army could exist but i don't think it does me neither but it would be cool i like the idea i love the name i love white rose i like the, the idea of time hacking do you think that was cool <laughs> i i thought about it for like 10 minutes and i was like what does that even mean to me it just comes down to control right that's all it is yeah like self-control yeah yeah so i was like you're not really reinventing the wheel here so I've just never heard of it's talked about like that. Yeah, so it's just like fancy new terminology for a very proven concept. So I I just like the idea that like Elliot hacks people and he, she hacks time. It's like they're both hackers. 
but they're hacking different things. You are like eating out of their hand at this point. Like, That's like, why the show is amazing. Just feed me bullshit. I'll eat it. That's I'll not eat. bullshit. It is bullshit. It's just it's discipline, right? That's what time hacking is. There's yes. a word for it. It's been around forever. It's called discipline. So it's like when we call things life hacks now. Yeah. It used to be just, I don't know, a trick, some kind of funny thing. Now I'll we call it life hacks. In the thing that pumps your oil so you don't have to hold it. Right. That's a life hack. That's like what White Rose does, but like on a super, super level. Yeah, he's he's OCD about his time. Right. So he's more productive, I right. think, than like... I think you could talk to anyone who's like super productive. Maybe they would say they're time hack. Maybe they're time hacking, the yeah. Fuck? So I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called Smarter, Faster, Better. It's by Charles Duhigg, who wrote the same book. Uh, he wrote probably my favorite book of all time in The Power of Habit. Mm. He talks to a bunch of people who are super productive and see what they have in common. That's a good uh, – you're going to have to give me that book. Yeah. So I heard about Power of Habit. Obviously, I have a lot more to say about Mr. Robot. Yeah. We're going to continue our coverage. We're going to talk about season two. Not the same way like we did with Game of Thrones. We're not going to have every episode, but we're going to have some other people on. I think Alex Lamport is going to make an appearance and talk about Mr. Robot when season two begins. Um, so there will be more of this. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I really, really, really want to talk to people about this. So if you have any comments or interesting theories, please send them to the appropriate channels and they will reach me because uh, Mr. Robot is the shit. Thanks for listening. And do it for the fam, dog. Ten toes down, dog. Love and the loyalty. That's what we stand for. Alienated by society. All this pressure give me anxiety. Walk slow through the fire. Like who gon' try us? Feeling the world go against us. So we put the world on our shoulders. Chain you